culture and in our time, we're not really familiar with sacrifices. Like animal sacrifices would never happen here in America, at least, right? But you'd have a group of people behind you, probably, right? Yeah, and animal, I would be one of them. Animal protection people would be animals. all over animal sacrifices. They'd be like, no. Not happening on my watch. But, you know, this was a regular practice, not just for the Jewish people, but actually for all of the false gods in the Bible, the sacrifices were required. And people were so desperate to get right with God or whatever God it was or have God move that some would even do child sacrifices. And, and so, but what the Bible is saying is that this could never cleanse our guilt. It cannot take away our sin. But then the Bible goes on to say, but the law required it. So, so why would God require this when he knew this never, ever, ever could take away sin? Because it's a foreshadow of what, who they needed and who was coming, Jesus Christ. But also, without the law and without sacrifices, there would be no conviction of sin. God had to teach us what is right and wrong. And through the sacrifices, it prepared their heart for what was coming, Jesus Christ, who was going to die once and for all for the perfect cleansing that was coming. And so, even though the blood of animals could never atone for sin, God had to show us. And, and really, it was just an outward ritual. And outward rituals without God, religious practice without God, you know what it does? It just makes us feel more guilty. It was constantly reminding them, you're not enough, you'll never be enough, and this is what religion does, Right? We try so hard. We sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. But you're never enough. You'll never be enough. And God's heart was to come and bring Jesus to say, because of me and my love, my love makes you enough. And that perfect cleansing that was coming. And so our sure footing has to be in faith in Jesus Christ and what he did alone. And any time we try to add to it and the motivation of our heart is we're not enough and adding to it, we are saying his blood is not enough. But when we just have faith in what he did and believe him and take him at his word is actually honoring Jesus and true worship to what Jesus did, and it's so powerful. So um, we're going to move on to Hebrews 10, 11 through 13. It goes on to say, Under the old covenant, the priests stand before the altar day after day, offering sacrifices that can never take away sin. But our high priest, our Lord Jesus Christ, offered himself to God as one sacrifice for sin, good for all time. And then he sat down at the place of highest honor at God's right hand. And there he waits until his enemies are humbled as underfoot, a footstool under his feet. For by that one offering, he perfected forever. By that one offering, he perfected forever all whom he is making holy. That perfect sacrifice perfected us. It, it not only um, took away our sin, but it took away our sin nature. It changed who we were. In the Old Testament, or anybody not in Christ, 
they are spiritually dead. Their spirit is dead and they have a sin nature. That means that they are addicted to sin. They cannot help themselves. Even if they want to do right, they will always default back to their nature. So Jesus not just took away our sin and then said, good luck, try not to sin again. We would have. But he changed our sin nature into righteousness. So now we default to righteousness. Now, do we still sin? Yes, but it's in the soulish realm and it can never, ever touch our spirit because it is righteous before the Lord because of the free gift he gave us. So we're renewing our mind and we are just trying to align the rest of our soul to what took place in our spirit. And it's so powerful. So when we believe that, when we truly have faith in what took place, we naturally will walk in holiness and righteousness. But when we think we still have the sin nature and we're in shame and condemnation and that the blood is not enough, we'll default back to sin and sin nature. Does that make sense? So it's the perfect cleansing that took place. So one of the things that, um, that I was looking at here in uh, verse 14, uh, Hebrews, Hebrews 10 verse 14, it says, um, and by one offering, right? For, who, uh, for by that one offering, he perfected forever all, who, all those whom he is making holy. Or in this version, you know, it says, for, that, for by that one offering, he forever made perfect those who are being made holy. And I was like, Lord, what does that mean? Like, he made perfect those who are being made holy. So obviously, he did, the, the finished work of the cross happened 2,000 years ago, right? But then it is still having an effect in us today. We're still being made holy. Right. And when you look at, at the word, um, at the word uh, made perfect, okay, it, it means complete. It means to make complete. And what we were just talking about is that the old system was not perfect, right? The old system of sacrifice of the blood of animals and bulls, and it was not perfect. Right. It, it was not complete. It could not take away sin and only covered it. Right. But it was still there. Yeah. You see the difference? It was still there. That's why they were always reminded. That's why their, their guilty conscience was still accusing them even after that. And it reminded them over and over and over because it only covered it. It didn't take it away. It wasn't a perfect one. And so when, when we look at this word, it says that through this one sacrifice, he made perfect. He made complete. He uh, finished. Okay. And then it says that it was uh, a fulfilled. So a fulfillment. So he closed up what was imperfect through the sacrifice of Jesus. And then it says that through that, he made perfect those who are being made holy. Now, who is being made holy? Yeah, us. That's me, right? That's you. We're, we are being made holy. And that is a continual work. That's something that never stops. If you ever think you've arrived, you're no better than a Pharisee or a religious person who thinks they, they've arrived and they, and they have it all. And now you can judge everybody else. Yeah. And that's the problem with religion. The religion will sell this fantasy and this illusion that if you do enough, then you've earned righteousness on right. your own. So therefore, you're better than everybody else. Yeah. But it's impossible. Yeah. It's only, we're only being made holy. And the word holy has a different, different meaning. It's the word hagia, so it means to render or acknowledge to be venerable or hollow, right? To separate from profane things and dedicate to God. So we know God is holy on his own, right? 
God is holy on his own. And I used to have a hard time saying I am holy. Or, or, but, but I'm like, how, how does this work? I'm not holy. I know what I did. I know what I said. I know what I thought. I'm not holy, but the Bible's telling me I'm holy. And so I understood there's two different kinds of holy. God holy, he is holy all by himself. And that's why he is worshipped. That's why we can sing, you are holy. Because just all by himself, he is holy. Perfect. But me, I'm being made holy. And that's the other meaning of this, which means to purify, to cleanse externally, to purify by uh, uh, expiation, to purify internally. And check this out. One of the meanings says, free from the guilt of sin. He is making us, through this one sacrifice, once and forever, he's making us free from the guilt of sin. That continually is accusing us and dwelling in our minds and keeping us away from being close and intimate with Heavenly Father. So once and for all, he's removing the guilt of sin. And the other one says to purify internally by renewing of the soul. By renewing our soul. That sounds like Romans 12 too, right? He he is making us holy as we're renewing our soul, which is what? Our mind, right? As we renew our mind, we're being made holy, which is how we are being transformed. So that's why as you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind, you're becoming more like him, which is how he is. He is holy. Are you with me? This is so exciting because it only means that when you're completely surrendered and relying upon him, you're just getting better every day. But when you're on your own and you're just trying to earn it yourself and you stay away from God when you're not doing good and you come to God when you're doing good, that's a clear indicator that you rely upon your own righteousness. And the Bible tells in Isaiah that your own righteousness is like filthy rags. It can never be enough. It will never be enough. That's why this is the gospel. That's why it's the good news. Because we no longer have to rely on us. We can fully rely on him and the finished work of the cross and the blood of Jesus that says, I have made this perfect now through my sacrifice. And now through it, I'm making you holy and you're getting better and better every day. Tell the person next to you, Jesus is making you better every day. No wonder you look better than last week. Uh It's so good. Benjamin, will you come up here? And bring the, bring the posters. I want to show just a little example. You're gonna, I'm going to use you, though. <laughs> yeah, and I do. But I'll go get it. Um, so, you know, the Old Testament, it's so good to understand the Old Testament. Because when we understand the Old Testament, we have so much more gratitude for what Jesus did. And because we're not in that culture or that time, sometimes we forget how powerful the sacrifice was that Jesus did. And so the Old Testament, you're going to hold these for me. The Old Testament, they were required. I'm going to grab something else as a um, a demonstration. The Old Testament required sacrifices, right? And every time... The, the blood of goats and, and lambs or whatever they brought. And, you know, this is from their own flock. So they, they know these animals. I mean, we have two dogs and now three puppies. And I just love these dogs. But I can't imagine bringing an animal knowing that that animal did nothing but going to die for me. And at the end of the day, it's not going to even help. Right? And so the blood would cover, would cover. 
but still underneath, nothing changed. It was totally external. It was just a religious thing to prepare them to tell them right from wrong. If there was no law or no sacrifices, people would do whatever they wanted. And this is what happened in the Bible in the book of Judges. If you read the book of Judges, it's pretty much rated R. The things that took place when people have no conscience, when they don't know right from wrong. But the blood of Jesus, when he died for us, he made us righteous. It's who we are. And when Ben's talking about he's making us holy, he's aligning our thoughts and our soul to what took place. And this is so significant because if we don't understand what took place, we will never, ever take our authority on earth. And we read that Jesus sat at the right hand of the Father, right? Until the enemies are made a footstool. Who is supposed to go after the enemy? His sons and daughters on earth until he comes back. And if we're in shame and condemnation, if we believe the lie that we are sinners, we will be stagnant, we won't do anything, and we will not take our authority because of our own guilt and shame. And when we're in guilt and shame, you know what we're looking at? Self. It's all about us. But we understand that we are the righteousness of God. It causes us to worship him like we've never worshipped before because we know we could not make this happen. It's a supernatural thing. Thank you, buddy. So it goes on to say, this is so powerful. It goes on to say in verse 19. Actually, I'm going to start with verse 17. And then he adds, and I want you to listen to this. I will never again remember their sins or lawless deeds. So when we recall it and we're reminding the Lord and we're repenting of the same thing over and over and over, he doesn't remember. And that's not true repentance, repeating the same thing over and over. Repentance is changing the way you think. And it goes on to say, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. This is the new life-giving way that Christ has opened up for us through the sacred curtain by the means of his death for us. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's people, let's go right into the presence of God. With true hearts fully trusting in him. What does that mean? We're trusting that his blood makes us righteous. We're trusting his blood has given us access. Our eyes are off self, off what we've done, off our past, off our fears, onto the blood that we can walk boldly as sons and daughters into the throne room close to God. And it says, for evil conscience has been sprinkled, our evil conscience has been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean. Say, I am clean. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. And so it, I'm going to close with this. It says, without wavering, let us hold tightly to the hope we say we have. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
don't waver because the enemy is going to throw stuff at us to, to say back to the old system, you're not enough, you'll never be enough, you don't have what it takes. And it says that God can be trusted. What he says is true. He said he forgave our sins. He said he won't remember anymore. That we have to hold tightly to that so that we can enter the throne room of God and be close to him. You know, the most powerful thing about salvation is not that we get to live in heaven. Salvation means that we get to be close to our Father. Salvation means intimacy that starts now. It's not some far off thing, but the curtain was rendered. The curtain was open that we could draw close to him and have intimacy. And this is his heart for us. He wants us to be close. And why do you think the enemy works so hard to make us feel guilty and stay in shame and condemnation? Because he gets so scared when we're close to the father. Because when we're close to God, this world will change. Intimacy, not fear. It's so powerful. Yes, that is the reason why the, the veil was torn in two. Yes. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a separation and you could not go into the Holy of Holies. In the most holy place where the presence of God was, only the priest could go in. And if he had any sin in his life, he would die. He couldn't be in there. And so when Jesus died, the veil was torn from the top to the bottom. It was a supernatural act that happened and signifying exactly what we just read. Now you can come boldly before the throne of God and you're not going to die because the sin issue has been taken yes. care of. He wants you to come close to him so that you're with him, so you're intimate with him. Because when you're close to the Father, you know, what you can do is... It has no limits. Yeah. He's the one that speaks to you, your value, your identity, the one that created you and tells you the plan for your life. So the biggest, you know, one of the biggest uh, ploys of the enemy is to tell you you're guilty, you're not worthy, you cannot have a close relationship with yeah. God because then that way he keeps you away from him. Mm -hmm. He keeps you away from your father. He keeps you away. He keeps you wondering your whole life, am I enough? Do I have what it takes? Who am I? Is there a purpose for my life? Is there any destiny for me? You know, what, why am I here on this planet, right? And he keeps you with those questions because he keeps you away from God. But that's why the, the, the veil was torn in two so that we could come boldly and have this close relationship with Heavenly Father where he always tells you every day and reminds you who you are he's not reminding you of your sin he's not throwing it in your face so every time you have sin thrown in your face it's not it's not God it's the enemy saying hey he's probably mad at you he's probably and he's trying to keep you away but that is what the sacrifice of Jesus did it allowed us to come in boldly before the throne of right. God right and false doctrine will teach that you know, if you feel shame and condemnation, well, that's going to make you love God and draw you close to God and help you not sin again. But it, we clearly see it. All it does is remind you and make you feel worse. And like Ben said, if you feel like somebody has something against you or it feels awkward, how close are you going to be to them? No, you're going to walk out of the room. But true honoring salvation and what Jesus did at the cross to really honor that is to believe you're righteous by faith. Just like salvation comes by faith. 
And when you start accepting that, you're going to start seeing transformation in your heart take place, that you will just start defaulting to holiness and righteousness. And when you love God, you want to obey God. Religion is so afraid that if you think you're righteous, that you're going to become prideful or, you know, that fear will keep us from sinning. It does not. Fear keeps us in shame and condemnation and walking in sin. But righteousness in believing who we are allows us to obey the Lord and draw close to him. And we're so thankful for what he's done. Yeah, when we are in shame, we're in the lowest form of life that we could ever be. You know, if you were here on Wednesday, uh, you you heard uh, uh, Nick's teaching on on all the all the different uh, places where we can we can be in our life. And when you're in shame, you're at the very low, very lowest. The next thing from shame, anything lower than shame, is death. And that's why shame is so strong in the lives of those that are about to really commit suicide, because that's the next yes. step below is death. And shame leads to death. And that's why the enemy loves to keep people in shame, in condemnation. But the Bible tells us, hey, for those who are in Christ, there is no more condemnation. You're a new creation. Everything has been made new. And so in shame, you're just one step from death. And then what happens is above shame, you start getting better, right? You start, you start getting better all, all the way to you're at, at peace and joy in those places, right? But when you're in shame... If you're not physically dead, we were talking about this with my uncle the other day. It's like, you can also be, uh, you know, consciously dead. Yeah. And if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. And if you're not dead physically, you're dead in your heart and you're conscious. And that's why sometimes we say, oh, look, man, those people have no shame. And you're right. They, they, They flaunt it. They don't care about sin. It's, it's, they're trying to rub it into everybody's faces. Why? Because they're spiritually so dead, they're below shame. And they're dead to any kind of consciousness. They have lost complete um, uh, uh, standards for good and evil. Yeah, the book of Judges. You know, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And so Jesus came and said, hey, there's no more shame. There's no more condemnation. I know that only is going to keep you lower. And it's going to keep you worse. But I've made you righteous And it's the gift of righteousness. It is him that makes us holy. That is making us better as we're closer to him. And the thing is, religion is afraid, like Kara was saying. Religion is so afraid that if we tell you you're righteous, oh, you're just going to stop trying. Yeah. But that is works. That's performance. Yeah. And we don't look for behavior modifications, right? We we don't try to be good on our own. We have to be transformed from the heart. And when we're transformed from the heart, then behavior follows. Behavior improves. Addictions change. All those things start falling off when you are transformed from the inside out, which is the work that Jesus came to do in our lives. Amen. Yeah.